Good morning, Pathway Church. After six weeks or so of sheltering in place and online schooling, you may feel like that mom trapped in the bathroom uh, cleaning the tub. Sometimes life as a mom gets a little overwhelming. We had three boys in four years. And I remember distinctly one day coming home from work and Brenda met me at the front door with tears in her eyes, holding Brent, our youngest son, probably about a year old. And she handed me Brent and she goes, I'm the worst mother in the world. She grabbed my car keys, I'm out of here. And she drove down the street. And as she's driving down the street, I'm thinking, I sure hope she comes back. You know, I was a little worried about that, but she did. And I should tell you that Brenda is the most amazing mom and Graham that I've ever met. But sometimes this whole motherhood thing can be a little overwhelming to us. Uh, I thought this morning about single moms trying to play both roles of mom and dad with their children, or foster moms taking care of children that are not their own. And at every church I've been, there have always been those women who have come to me just prior to Mother's Day and say, Pastor, we love you, but we just can't be there Sunday. Uh, I remember one had had five miscarriages, one who had gone through three in vitros, desperately wanting children, but the children didn't come. So to you mothers today and you women who love children, I hope that you feel honored. I hope that this is a special day for you, and I hope you know how much we love you and appreciate you and all that you do. I remember I was looking for a new worship pastor at the church in uh, Lexington. I've been there about four years. Our worship pastor left. We didn't have a very good plan B, so I was pretty desperate. So I'm calling folks, and I made an appointment to meet a guy in Anderson, Indiana, to interview him. It was a a three-and-a-half-hour drive. I got there, and he didn't show up. And now I'm really desperate. So I called all the, everybody I knew and said, do you know anybody who's a recent graduate of Anderson or someone who's musical that might be interested in being our worship pastor? And someone told me about Matt Bays. They said he leads the, the uh, uh, services here at the school a lot and he does a great job and he just graduated. And they gave me his number. So I called Matt's apartment and his fiance, Heather, answered the phone. She was there to cook Matt a meal. And uh, like a good fiance, she goes, what's this call about? And I explained that I was looking for a worship pastor and she immediately said, oh, Matt's not interested. We're getting married in a few weeks and I have one more year of school. And by that time, Matt got on the phone and he asked me what I was calling about, and I told him, I said, I'd really hope to see you and Heather at uh, breakfast tomorrow and be able to talk to you about this position. And his first question was, are you buying? I go, sure. And so they showed up, and to make a long story short, they accepted the position, and they were with us for five and a half years, did an amazing job as our worship pastors before they were called somewhere else. And a couple months before they left, Chloe was born, beautiful little girl. And on Monday morning of this week on Facebook, both Matt and Heather posted about their daughter, Chloe. She was in a car accident Sunday evening. She had been uh, with a friend. They had had an accident. And when they had that accident, uh, 
she was not hurt initially. But she got out of the car uh, to see that the other person was okay and the headlights were out. And so she was hit uh, by a pickup truck that was coming by. And Chloe's the one on my right uh, in, in your picture. And when she was hit, she was seriously injured. They took her to the emergency room. She uh, had to be put on, uh, on a ventilator. Uh, it was life and death for, for several hours. Miraculously, after two surgeries, uh, she survived. She's looking at a long recovery. And I hope that you'll be praying for this young lady who is just an amazing, amazing uh, person and an amazing family with lots of needs. I was awakened at 3.30 Tuesday morning praying for Chloe. And uh, as I was praying for Chloe, I remembered the backstory of their story because there is a backstory and it's a broken one. Uh, the last year that Matt was our worship pastor, he began to drink heavily. Uh, I was not aware of this until later. And uh, at his next assignment, the drinking became even worse and he had to go into treatment center. And in the treatment center, he had to face some of the demons from his childhood. He had been sexually abused by a family member. And I'm not sharing anything confidential here. He wrote a book, Finding God in the Ruins, and he talks about uh, those very difficult days of his life uh, as he was going through th this tragedy. And as I was thinking about that backstory, uh, I was reminded that it continued to be broken because about three years ago, Matt and Heather went through a very painful divorce. And I spent many, many hours on the phone with Heather, talking to her and counseling with her. And I thought, today, Matt's on one side of the bed, Heather's on the other side of the bed, and this broken girl is between them. And I was reminded of something that I've known for a long time, but it was like God was saying to me, I need you to kind of rework that sermon you're going to do, because I was already going to talk about messed up lives. But... He reminded me that we all have a messed up life. All of our lives are broken. We all have a story of brokenness and sin. And we all need to be rescued in our lives. We've been talking about defining moments, those opportune moments, those kairos moments, where our decisions to follow Christ more closely are to become mediocre or disappointing in our lives are critical. We make that decision. And so this is one of those moments. This morning, we're going to talk about a mom who had a very questionable past, but an incredibly promising future through God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have what is called the uh, Hall of Fame of Faith, Hall of Faith. It lists some of the great people of faith in the Bible and, and how they changed their world. Uh, people like Joseph and Noah and Abraham and Moses. But there's one person in that list that kind of catches us by surprise. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. And it says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Did you catch her occupation? She was a prostitute. 
Now, how does someone with that occupation make the biblical hall of faith? I mean, that makes no sense. Her story is incredibly important because as we look at our defining moments, she helps us discover how God wants to change our lives. Her story is found in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua has sent some spies to check out the promised land as they prepare to cross the Jordan River and enter into this promised land after waiting for 40 years. And this is what he tells them. Go over to the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, if you're going to spy for the people of God, doesn't it seem strange that they would end up in the house of a prostitute? Well, if you think about the context of that day, it doesn't. There were no Holiday Inns or Hampton Inns or Motel Sixes. Usually when you traveled, and there was not a lot of travel, but when you traveled, you would stay with family or friends. And if you went somewhere where you'd never been before, you usually would stay at an inn, and it was not at all uncommon for that inn to also be a brothel. So listen to the story. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when the time came to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. As you read that, it sounds a little bit like one of those Westerns, you know, where the good guys go to the rancher's house, and when the bad guys show up, the rancher says, they're not here, they just left, they went that away, and you go chase them. There's two things that we notice in this story. One, the king knew about Rahab, he knew what she did, and he knew the men had been there. And two, Rahab was lying through her teeth. Not exactly what you would expect from someone that's going to be a foundational part of the faith life of the church. The story continues. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. At this time, this strange story really may be a little confusing to you, but there's some life lessons that help us with the big decisions we have to make as we follow Rahab's story. There are many people in the church who do not have Rahab's occupation, but they do have Rahab's spiritual condition. Rahab, like many people, was living in the promised land, but not living the promised life. She was living in the promised land, but not living the promised life. The place Rahab was living was described to Abraham as a place flowing with milk and honey. It was a place where the Israelites were supposed to go and find 
peace and prosperity. And yet Rahab was living there and she was experiencing none of these things. In fact, she was living the worst life a woman could possibly live in that day. She was not living in peace. She was living in fear, along with many other people in that city. Rahab told the spies, all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. That's quite a descriptive term. They're melting in fear. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did at Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now, there were lots of gods in, in Rahab's little town in Jericho, but everyone was still melting in fear. Why? Because even though they were living in the promised land, they weren't living the promised life because they were following the wrong God. How often we see people come to church week after week. It's been a while, but we do come to church week after week. And they hear God's promises, and they hear the songs of faith, but there's no joy in their life. There's no sense of purpose. Why? Because they're following the wrong person. The wrong person is leading their life. As a pastor, I've noticed that many people feel like if they can just change their circumstances, if they can just change their location, life will get better. And so we move to a different city, or we try a different church, or a different pastor, or we get a new boss, and we try different surroundings to change our circumstances, but sometimes we fail to consider it might not be our circumstances, it might be us. Just a thought. Rahab didn't need a new city. She needed a new kingdom to be established in her life. And the same is true of us. We need a new leader for our life. We need a new authority. We need to surrender to the authority of Jesus in our life. Too many Christians are living in the promised land, too many Christ followers and too many church attenders and not really experiencing the promises that God has for us. So how do we start living the promise? Well, we have to have our lives ruined. And I need to explain that term to you. Often when we go on missions trips to places like Honduras, we use the term, you need to have your life ruined. You need to have your heart broken. You need to be seriously disturbed. And you may say, well, why in the world would I want to do that? Why would I want that to happen in my life? Bernie was a fireman in our church in Lexington. He attended church at Eastland Church every Sunday, had most of his life. He wasn't a bad guy. In fact, he was a really good guy, but there wasn't a lot of passion in his life. And I've been trying to get Bernie to go with me on a, on a missions trip, and finally he agreed to go. And for the first time, he saw spiritual depth amidst extreme poverty. He met a young girl who was nine years old living on her own, and he began to help her financially and uh, to get her some help. And uh, over the years, the next 20 years, he took his family to Honduras. He went twice every year. 
He worked a part-time job just so he could go to, to be with us folks. He supported several children. He helped some preachers go through a year of Bible study school at $200 a month. He did that with passion in his heart. Caring for those that Jesus loves draws us closer to him. To be glorious, gloriously ruined means that we are certain that our lives count for something significant. And once you've discovered something significant in your life, you never want to go back to the life you used to live. You'll never be ruined just coming to church or watching live stream. You might be disturbed, but you won't be ruined. When you are ruined, you're called to do something. We're called to have faith that's in action, trusting God with the rest of our lives. We trust enough to take a risk, and faith is always a risk. As we learned a couple of weeks ago that we're called to live our lives courageously. In Joshua 1, three times we're told to be strong and courageous. The second thing we learn from Rahab is that we can undo a life of sin and destruction by a single act of faith. We can undo a, a whole life of sin and destruction by a single act of faith. Listen to the story as it continues. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, that they will be, sa they will be saved from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. That was not unusual in those days. Often the homes were built into the wall of the city. Now she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there for three days until they return and then go on your way. Rahab's life was an open book. She was a prostitute. She had lived a life of sin. But the story of God and the story of the Israelites and how God had saved them began to speak to her. And she realized that this God was different from her gods. This is a true God. And she wanted to serve him. She took an incredible risk to protect the spies. She could have easily been killed. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Her whole life and destiny was changed by that single act of faith. There may be some people listening this morning saying, well, it's, it's a little late for me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my life. You don't know how many times I've failed. Rahab's story reminds us that God can take the most broken life, the worst of us, our guilt and our shame, and he covers it with his grace and his love. He has the power to do that. What does it mean to act on our faith? 
It's not just agreeing with our minds. It's an action that we take. Rahab's in the hall of faith because she acted on her faith. She took a risk. She had no idea if these spies were really going to protect her family or spare her life. And we don't really know if God's going to come through until we act on our faith and trust him with our lives. The spies told Rahab to hang a scarlet cord out her window. And when they came into the city, they would spare she and her family and whoever was in that room. Now, the Bible doesn't really tell us for sure, but my guess is they weren't doing social distancing in that little apartment. I think Rahab crammed as many people as she possibly could of her family into that tiny little house. And that reminds us that our goal is not just to get to heaven. Our goal is to take as many people as possible with us. She had to openly identify with the invaders. I'm one of you. Faith requires us to take a stand. As for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. We will serve the Lord. No matter how messed up your life may be today, it can be different. It can be different right now. It doesn't take a series of sermons. It doesn't take uh, a lot of different things happening. It can be a singular decision that you make at this moment. Today, you may not know Christ, and this may be your special moment. You may be a believer in the promised land, but not living the promised life. And you too can pray this simple prayer. I want to just share the prayer with you. Jesus, my life is a mess. I'm not the person that I want to be. I'm not living the life that I want to live. I want to change. I want to be gloriously ruined. I want to be a new person with a changed life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and take away my past and give me a new future. The one you had in mind for me all along. I'm coming clean. I'm going public. I choose Jesus. I trust you to make more out of my life than I ever believed was possible. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer, there's one more part of Rahab's story that I think you're really going to like. And this is your changed life can change your world. Your changed life can change your world. In chapter two, the story ends with the arrangement with the spies. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And then we encounter Rahab again a few chapters later when it says, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid them in Joshua and sent his spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. With that single act of faith, everything changed for Rahab. Her whole life got a fresh start. She went from prostitute to wife. She had a son named Boaz, who had a son named Obed, who had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David. You may remember David. David wrote most of the Psalms. David killed the, the giant Goliath. He was the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. And Rahab was his great, great grandmother. Rahab went from prostitute into the lineage of a king. And several generations later, a young woman named Mary 
gave birth to a son named Jesus. And he's directly tied to the broken life of the prostitute Rahab. It's because of her faithfulness that God's purposes were fulfilled, not just for her life, but for generations to come. And for all of us in the single greatest act in history, the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. We may be tempted to say, there may have been a time that could have happened in my life, but it's too late. Never underestimate the power of a single life totally committed to God. Charlie Smith was a friend of mine. Uh, He was born in Louisiana. I did a a survey of his life one time. He went to the University of Kentucky. Uh, He was majoring in anthropology, doing a doctorate. He did everything except for defend his paper. And he got called to be a professor at a little school in Lake Wells, Florida, at that time called Warner Southern, now Warner University. And he went there without completing his doctorate. And uh, he did several mission groups that he organized and started, taught there for many years. And then in his late 40s, he began a ministry called Heart to Honduras. I was a part of that ministry from its very beginnings. And Charlie began to minister among the poorest of the poor in Honduras. And he didn't realize he only had 10 years to change the world, but that's what he had. And today there are hundreds of Christians, hundreds of churches, thousands of Christians, both in the United States and in Honduras, who have been radically changed by the faith and the courage of a man named Charlie Smith. David Marty Spiro's ministry, La Cima Ministries, that goes to the most dangerous places in the world each year to minister among the most downtrodden, our direct descendants of the ministry of Charlie Smith in Heart to Honduras. Satan's greatest fear is that we will realize how powerful a single life can be, surrender to God. Your life in God's hands has incredible potential. The story began with Rahab the prostitute living in a brothel, her life traveling down a path that we know has a bad ending. She was living in the promised land without the promise in her life. But Rahab's life was forever changed. How? One act of faith undid a life of sin and failure and opened up the hope of a totally different future. Moms, your life ruined for Jesus can impact not only your life, not only your children's lives, but children for generation to generation and generation yet to come. If it can happen for Rahab, it can happen for you. Tuesday morning when I was awakened praying for Chloe and my dear friends, Matt and Heather, I was reminded that we are all broken, all in need of the hope of Jesus. My mother-in-law, Esther, is 96 years old. She's an amazing woman. She had eight brothers and sisters. Only one is still living. That's her baby sister, who's only 93 years old. And Esther and her brother were the only two among all these children, the nine children, 
that were Christians. The rest of them were not only not Christians, they were very against the church. And they wanted nothing to do with anything religious. And Esther faithfully prayed for them, for some of them 40, 50 years. And one by one, they came to Christ, many of them in their 70s and their 80s. But what Brenda and I find so amazing today is we're seeing in Esther's nieces and grandnieces and nephews, people coming to church and becoming pastors. And we see constantly people saying things like, my Aunt Esther's faith brought me to faith. The same can be true for you today. If you're not living the life of your dreams, the life of God's dream, it can start today. Surrender your life to Jesus. Let him gloriously ruin you. Take that step of faith that he can change your destiny and also change generations yet unborn who will come to Christ because of your faithfulness in this moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for moms. We thank you for the impact they have on our lives. And Lord, my prayer today is that you will use the moms of Pathway Church to change the direction of not just their lives, but for their children and their grandchildren and for children generations away. May it start today as we surrender and allow you to gloriously ruin our lives. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. this moment to respond. What an amazing uh, message from the Lord through Pastor Steve this morning. I love what he said, allow yourself to be gloriously ruined. I think it's so easy for us to take those defeats and those discouragements and those hardships in life and just let them pile on to us and defeat us and to cause us to think there's no hope. There's always hope with God. So let's thank him for his goodness.
like you do but you don't despite what we go through despite what we face despite what we've gone through in our lives you've been there and for whatever reason we don't begin to understand Lord you've allowed us to go through it in order that we might be gloriously ruined to glorify you that we might be Though you slay us, Lord, I think of that. Though you slay me, still I will praise you. And Lord, we've been slain in our lives. 
and we've walked through some incredible trials and troubles. And Lord, the current crisis in America just exacerbates everything else that we might have already been going through personally. But Lord, you are so, so good to us. That never changes. In spite of what we're facing, Lord, may we cling to your goodness. May we cling to all the things that you are. You are faithful. You are just. You are for us. And we cry out that we love you this morning. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. May we sense your presence today as we celebrate moms, as we appreciate the moms in our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to worship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, the time is coming soon, very soon, when we'll be back together. We'll have more details on that very soon to come. But hang in there. Keep worshiping online with us. And we look so forward to seeing you very soon. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you.